Greetings, this is Jessica Schmidt, Director of Investment Communications here at Diamond Hill, and this is Understanding Edge. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by Brian Bath to discuss his most recent industry perspectives piece titled Investing in the Building Blocks of the Economy, which is available on our website at www.diamond-hill.com. Brian is a research analyst at Diamond Hill covering industrials and chemicals and is a graduate of Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. As always, stay safe and stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brian Bath. Hi, Brian. Welcome back to the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Well, today we are going to discuss your industry perspectives piece, which examines the building blocks of the U.S. economy. So what do I mean by that? Uh, We are going to talk about innovation and secular trends that are happening in areas of the economy that to some people may seem otherwise mundane or boring, but there is some really interesting stuff going on in these industries And of course, we're going to talk about a couple of the companies that stand to benefit from these long-term secular trends and innovations. So to get us started, Brian, can you set the stage for us in terms of the secular trends that are driving innovation in these various areas of the economy and why it's important for investors to not overlook companies that you've described as some of the underlying drivers of our economy? Yeah, so I guess maybe I'll start off with kind of a, a very broad, uh, broad-based view of things. And one of the trends that we're seeing um, is, and it was kind of really exposed through the COVID lockdowns and, and everything that's resulted since, is, is everyone kind of realized our supply chain and manufacturing footprint has been uh, grossly underinvested in it, it, domestically, and, and so we're, we're expecting a lot more of that to be kind of brought more. Reshoring of the manufacturing uh, base, if you will, and uh, and kind of bringing that supply chain back closer to the end end user, and, and kind of re refortifying um, the supply chain because we we saw a lot of the lockdowns led to supply shortages and semiconductors and other components throughout uh, various industries, and so what we need to do now is kind of rebuild that infrastructure here uh, more domestically and kind of. Speaking of infrastructure, that kind of leads into the next part. You know, globally, we're seeing uh, governments invest heavily across the infrastructure to not only just um, kind of replace current infrastructure, but improve upon it. Uh, you know, it kind of ties into their green initiatives and how we can be uh, more energy efficient, more kind of cognizant of uh, the different areas that we're, we're building into, and, and how to kind of best use the use the space that we have. Um, and then, you know, another area that we're seeing a lot of growth and interest, uh, you know, just the sh- transition to, to green energy. Uh, everyone wants to lower their carbon footprint. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of excitement around electric vehicles that it's become not a if question, but when uh, that, that'll kind of take over as the dominant mode of transportation. Um, and and that, that's just kind of like a starting point, but um, th- those are kind of the, the big overarching drivers that we kind of see going going through the economy kind of long-term. And one of the companies that you discuss, Brian, in your industry perspectives piece is Caterpillar. 
So this is a company that has very strong brand recognition. I mean, the mere mention of the company name, I automatically think about their bright yellow construction equipment. Um, and I have three toddlers, Brian, all boys. And we're so we are highly excited every time we see giant yellow piece of construction equipment. Um, but that simple recognition is, is a clear competitive advantage for Caterpillar. But your piece examines Caterpillar's leadership as it relates to some of these secular trends and innovations. So tell us a little bit more about their capabilities and what interesting things are on the horizon for Caterpillar. Yeah, so I'll maybe start off uh, with mining in particular. Um, yeah, I touched on the uh, kind of interesting green energy and, and electric vehicles. And, and one of the things that kind of gets forgotten is with increased production of these batteries for electric vehicles, there's increased need for mining the rare earth minerals and metals that go into these batteries. So on top of that, we've had, we've seen kind of underinvestment in the mining industry as far as equipment goes since probably 2012, 2013 timeframe where there was a bit of a spike in CapEx from, from the industry. And so we're getting to a point where the age of the equipment is needing either you know rebuilt or replaced, but we're also at a time when we need more materials out of the ground. And we're part of the issue too is as we're pulling more out, the or the quality of the ore begins to kind of degrade. And so you are required then to move more earth to get the same amount of usable material out of uh, out of that land. And, and so where CAT kind of benefits is, is twofold, it's just an aging fleet and increased demand for, for mining investment. Um, where they can kind of help their customers significantly is, is they've invested a lot in automated automation features, which allows for a safer work site, but also can, I guess, increase the efficiency and use rate of that equipment. So where previously you might've had a job site, let's say, you know, working 12 to 18 hours. Now the equipment can run 24 seven. There's automated features that you, you take out kind of a driver or worker fatigue and it increases that efficiency of the mine site. Um, you know, and in addition to that, they've are looking at alternative drivetrain. So there's some hybridization, some electric, electrification of, of these lar this large mining equipment that significantly increases the, um, it, the cost efficiency of the product and, and allows Caterpillar customers to um, lower their operating cost overall. And you know, one example of this recently was uh, a deal that Caterpillar made with uh, a miner that has a large copper operation in Chile, um, Caterpillar will be replacing 160, the entire fleet of haul trucks over a 10 year period, which the haul trucks are just those really oversized dump trucks that you, you know, see at a mine. Um, and they're, this is you know, kind of using their next generation propulsion. So it's more fuel efficient and also allows for integration of autonomous features over time, which can increase the efficiency of operation. And like I said earlier, make make for a safer work environment. Um, now, you know, moving past the mining seg segment of the business, you, you know, construction is obviously a well-known part of Caterpillar. Um, and as we talked about, you know, just general infrastructure spending, that's, you know, we got more roads, more construction overall coming in, which they'll benefit from. But there's, in addition to that, like with the reshoring of manufacturing, as we've seen these kind of announcements of new factories, let's, you know, 
like related to the CHIPS Act, where we have an Intel plant and other semiconductor uh, manufacturers announcing large new operations here in the US. Typically, what has to happen is not just that factory needs to be built, but the infrastructure around it to support that factory and all the new employees has to be built up as well. So that as we're, as we're seeing, you know, more kind of battery manufacturing, chip manufacturing, and other air industries bring back more manufacturing, we have to not only support the construction of those locations, but also everything around it. Um, so that, and that's, again, where Caterpillar comes in and kind of really drives that low cost of ownership for their uh, equipment, where they offer battery electric machines, they offer autonomous features that help um, kind of increase efficiency. And, you know, one example of that is they have a setup where you can basically operate the machinery remotely. So a single operator could be sitting in an office somewhere working at multiple different job, job sites with the flip of a switch and, and moving from one piece of equipment to the next and able to kind of control that from a remote location. Um, these types of innovations could make Caterpillar attractive from a product standpoint when they already have this great dealer network and service network that allows the, their customers to know that their equipment's gonna be up and running and they're not gonna lose time on a job site. Uh, so that's, that's some of the main thing. And I guess one more area I'll touch on just from the construction standpoint is, you know, we've through, again, the, the pandemic, we, we saw slowdown in, in housing construction and, and that's like every other industry, it, it slowed down a bit just through supply chain issues or just difficulty um, getting workers to, to job sites. But household creation didn't slow down during that time. We, we still had households forming. And, and as a result, we're at a point where kind of at a housing deficit. And so it's not an ideal housing market right now as interest rates continue to, to increase. But you know, long term, we need to get to a point where housing new house, housing builds match up with household formations. And, and until we do that, that we're gonna, there's still that support for just general residential construction. Great, so it sounds like, you know, innovations such as automation, improvements in efficiencies are really driving um, some of the industries, like you mentioned, construction and mining. Um, another industry that you talk about in your piece that that's vitally important to the US economy is the railroad industry. And again, Brian, I think a lot of people don't automatically associate railroads with innovation, right? It's, it's been a business that's been around since the 1800s. And um, certainly I'll, I'll fully admit when I think railroads, I think somewhat of a antiquated mode of transportation, right? But <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I know that there's a lot more going on behind, behind the scenes there. So what innovations are happening in the railroad industry today that are propelling that industry forward? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of, you made a very good point that not, not a ton has changed in just the pure railroad business. You know, it's the track is laid down and you move freight across the, those rail, those rails once it's put down. It's, it's a pretty simple, you know, basic view of it. But one of the, I think one of the big things just from, let's, maybe start with the railroads themselves um, that has changed in recent years is the introduction of precision scheduled railroading, which is essentially comes down to um, doing more with less or just running your assets more efficiently. So 
making running longer trains at a faster speed and get and getting from point A to point B at a, at a better rate, more consistent rate. So you're providing better service to your customers. Um, that's been probably the, the biggest change. You know, it's in the past you might see a railroad sit at a at a loading yard for days and making sure they got every last piece of freight that they could onto that train before they left. And now they have just set schedules. We are leaving at this time. You can either be on it or not. And and that has really kind of counterintuitively improved their service overall. Um, because shippers still need to move their goods and it has become a lot more efficient. They've been able to add rail cars to the train to lengthen it out and increase that speed and improve the service. So that's kind of, you know, the, the main driver behind all of this, but as you continue to drive for efficiency, again, you need to push for lower costs, which is on kind of the fuel saving side and, um, and again, for safety and, Efficiency. You also need to look at some of the some of these autonomous features that could come in and help as well. So it's it's right now for the rail. It's all about competing with trucking as the alternative mode of transportation. And so it's if they can continue and increase their efficiency, lower their costs, they become a better or more competitive option uh, for a, tr a trucking a, a freight that would typically go through trucking, which let's say is less than 500 miles. Over 500 miles, it's easy to make the decision to go to rail, but they're they are really moving into a more competitive space with with the trucking industry and you talk about one of the railroad equipment manufacturers um who's kind of leading the way in this area and that's that's wobtech uh perhaps not as well known of a name to those maybe not familiar with the railroad industry but tell us a little bit about wobtech what it does and how it's positioned in terms of leading the industry forward yeah, so kind of going back a few years, um, Wabtec was more of a uh, component supplier to some some of the and some of the larger locomotive and rail car producers. But through some acquisitions, most notably their um, acquisition of GE Transportation, they've become one of the largest locomotive producers and um, around in the industry. And, and so they are building locomotives, rail cars lots of the components that go into it for freight and for, you know, transportation purposes. Um, and they also provide, you know, maintenance services and maintenance and service and kind of fleet management for, for their customers. And um, some of the things that they've been working on, again, go back to that, increasing the fuel efficiency, increasing the safety and kind of on time operations for, for their, their customers, which are key again, for bringing costs down and increasing the service. Um, attractiveness for a railroad. Um, so if we kind of just looking at their, let's say their digital solutions, uh, which is more in that autonomous uh, area, you can look up to get to fuel savings of up to 30% from where you're to a, a comparative locomotive without these features. And we're looking at one product that they've been working on is called Trip Optimizer, where it basically helps you decide the most fuel efficient route to move that freight and get there on time. Um, there's ways of optimizing the um, power distribution throughout the, oh, to basically optimize the horsepower and usage of, of the locomotive. And just th things like this alone, just on a, a digital side, help increase the fuel efficiency. And, and then if we look further at just kind of the different modes of propulsion, whether, you know, going from just a pure 
diesel locomotive to kind of a, a hybrid uh, electrified uh, diesel engine to you know pure battery or hydrogen fuel cell. There's lots of steps along the way that continue to <clears throat> continue to improve that efficiency um, pretty significantly. I, I you know just out looking at their one of their more hybrid I guess locomotives, it's a uh, you know twenty to thirty percent increase in fuel efficiency related to a um, previous generation locomotive. And so um, as these railroads look to, again, improve efficiency, these are, are very attractive options. Um, now the, the counter to that with you know, PSR, the precision scheduled railroad, um, the railroads are, aren't adding as many locomotives to their fleet. So what does that mean? That they're running their current fleet of locomotives a lot harder, a lot longer. And where Wabtec also comes in is they can basically take that old locomotive, tear it down and put all new components in it. And it's a lower cost to the end railroad, but they still get many of the efficiency benefits uh, that you would from a, from a brand new locomotive, but at a lower cost. And what's great for Wabtec is that it's, you know, that's a positive margin business for them. That's a, um, to, so they, whether you're buying a new one or, or rebuilding a, an old locomotive, Wabtec still is there to kind of help you out. Um, from a safety standpoint, like where their autonomous features come in, as you know, I mentioned the running trains faster and with more cars. Well, a lot of that can create some issues and instability and um, and derailments or, you know, I guess kind of unforeseen instances like that can hurt your service um, offering. And, and so where kind of Wabtec comes in is again, making sure that those trains are running safely, that, you know, one or two um, operators in the locomotive can handle the longer, faster loads that they're taking um, and potentially even getting down to where just one engineer in the locomotive could run the train as opposed to two right now. Um, so th those are some of the things that we're seeing Wabtec doing and they keep investing in these areas to truly try and push the boundaries forward because they, when they look at their customers, they see that the needs for efficiency, they see that you know, labor is hard to come by and doing these things um, and being and the customers knowing that they can go to Wobtech and get kind of what they need when they need it um, has really put them in a place to, to succeed going forward. Um, and it comes at a time too when, like we've talked about, as manufacturing comes back, you know, it's built back up in the US and we see increased movement in these raw materials for whether it's EV batteries or other products, mm -hmm. those are large, heavy machinery or bulk raw materials are moved by rail. It's just more efficient to do that, you know, rail or ship. And, and those are pretty much your options. It becomes uh, too uh, costly to move by truck. And so as we're starting to see growth in those areas that, that we talked about, the construction the mining and, and other parts of, of the economy, Railroad is going to stand to benefit there. And as more volume and freight moves through the railroads, that's what those assets that they have, those rail cars and locomotives are going to be run harder and pushed to the edge of replacement or, you know, updating much sooner. And, and, and that's, again, where Wabtec service capabilities come in, come into the fold. Well, that's really interesting, Brian, you know, from, from Caterpillar and construction and things going on in the mining industry to, to Wabtec over here in the, the railroad area. Um, I think it's a great reminder for, for us and for investors um, about some of the industries that are, you know, less sexy than the high-tech biopharmas that you hear a lot about in the news. 
Um, and so really appreciate you coming on and talking about these and, and giving us, us some insight into some of the exciting things that are happening in these, uh, you know, building blocks of the economy type of sector. So thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, great. Listeners can get access to Brian's industry perspectives piece at our website, www.diamond-hill.com. Brian, thanks again, as always, for joining me, and we hope you'll join us again soon.